Hey everyone, welcome to Indie Film Grit, a podcast about indie films and indie filmmakers. I am your host, Timothy Patrick, but you, you can call me Tim. In this episode, I'm joined by Patrick Green. He's a talented indie filmmaker whose new documentary, For Your Consideration, is now screening at various film festivals. We talk about many aspects of filmmaking, such as story structure, animation, and fair use. Patrick is also our first returning guest on the podcast, and it's great to have him back to talk about his work. Let's get into it. And here we are with Patrick Green. Patrick, welcome back. How are you, man? What's up, Tim? How you doing? I'm great. I mentioned this to you before, but uh, you are a you are our first reoccurring guest, and I'm I'm really excited about it. <laughs> what an honor! I'm I'm uh, really excited to talk to you again. Yeah, you're you're a terrific uh, indie filmmaker. Last time you were here, we talked about your short tag, which uh, followed a street artist. It was a narrative. Um, and this time we're going to talk about your new documentary, For Your Consideration. Just give us a little recap uh, what's been going on since we last talked. Uh, so, you know, um, after talking to you, I was doing the festival rounds with TAG, uh, which was like a first-person narrative about a day in the life of a graffiti artist. Um, and, you know, last time we talked about guerrilla filmmaking, how we, sh- we shot it out there in Boyle Heights and... Union Station and just kind of stole all the shots and mm-hmm. the DP got, the DP got arrested because we were by the train tracks and it was just kind of an adventure in itself that kind of fit the film um, and so I did a couple more f- film festivals um, I think it played in over three dozen film festivals around the world um, and I was kind of figuring out what to do with it next and I actually was listening to uh, indie film grit podcast about the film hub people uh, guy. Oh yeah, that's a uh, great service. Great service. Um, so I reached out and I you know uploaded my movie and it's I think it's playing on like five or six platforms now. Uh, the biggest being Amazon Prime, nice. which is yeah, which is great because you know now I can send it to family members or, or you know friends who didn't get to go to a screening or who want to pass it along to a friend and it's right up there on Amazon Prime and. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. everyone everyone has that, so uh, it's much easier than you know. Here's the Vimeo link. Right. right. Yeah, it's funny. Uh, Amazon has uh, credibility these days when it comes to uh, watching films. They they do. Uh, you know, Netflix is kind of a different animal where you kind of have to have a name uh, behind it to 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 be working with them. But you know, Amazon Prime is it's uh, it's you know they take a lot of short. Um, it's a great resource. They don't pay much, but you know, I think when you're making these short, short films, you're not necessarily looking for um, the money making aspect of it. You're kind of doing it uh, to, you know, as a calling card first of all, and uh, also, you know, to tell a story that you that you're dying to tell. I think that's how you go into these things, and mm-hmm. everything everything that come else comes out of it is you know icing on the cake. Yeah, and you want people to see it, so it's a it's a great thing. Um, that's fantastic. You, you learned about, uh, film hub through my podcast because I mean, uh, that's the whole, the whole reason for the podcast is, you know, spread ideas and, and learn from other filmmakers and whatnot. So that's great. Yeah. I think, you know, podcasts like indie film grit, 
Um, there's so many resources, which we can talk about, you know, more uh, when we talk about making of the documentary, but there's so many resources out there where you can con- kind of connect with other filmmakers um, online. It's like the one great thing about, um, you know, online resources is you can just, you know, Google whatever you're looking for. Um, I've got tons of stories from the doc about, you know, uh, that's how I connected with a lot of people that helped make it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, this is a great resource. You know, you just got to keep your ears open, um, and, you know, figure out where you want to, you know, uh, what you're looking for and, um, it's out there. Right. So tag, we were talking about that, um, was sort of a day in the life of, of a street artist. Although it was narrative, it, it felt like a documentary, um, but you upped the stakes on everything this time because uh, it's street art, but it's on a, on a much bigger scale. Some famous artists like uh, Plastic Jesus um, and very timely issues that are going on. How did you decide to go from, from that to that? Well, I had interviewed Plastic Jesus uh, last year. Every The last five, six years, he's done an Oscar piece, uh, you know, basically commenting on Hollywood. Um, a couple years ago, uh, after Philip Seymour Hoffman died he, of a heroin overdose, he did like an Oscar statue with like a needle on its arm. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was another year he did an Oscars on the red carpet, like sniffing a line of Coke. Uh And then for the one I interviewed him for, he had done a Kanye West uh, as Jesus Christ. It was called False Idols. So I had interviewed him for my work. Uh, I'm a journalist, you know, by day. And so uh, I had interviewed him and we kind of got along. I told him about Tag and, you know, we talked about Banksy and street art. And he he just was a good, good bloke. He's uh, from London originally. And he invited me to his art show. And so... A year passes, and uh, I was filming another short film, a horror short film called Mommy's Little Monster in Big Bear, and I had finished, and I was kind of just, you know, in the rigors of editing it, Um, and so I just wanted to shoot something, so I called my friend James Armstrong, who I work with. He's the head of video uh, at our work, and I was like, hey, you know, I'm thinking about approaching this artist and seeing who he's covering uh, for the Oscars this year, seeing if he's doing a piece. And James was totally in. So uh, I called Plastic Jesus and found out he was doing the Harvey Weinstein statue, uh, the casting couch. Mm. And so it was kind of just when this Harvey Weinstein stuff was had come out. And, you know, once he told me about it, he was teaming up with Ginger again, who's uh, Joshua Ginger Monroe. He's a sculptor out of Vegas. He's famous for doing the naked Trumps from a couple of years ago that they put in various cities with like the small penis. Yeah, one ended up on my neighborhood on a on a oh, okay. corner. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you got uh, that front and center. Um, so yeah, they teamed up together. And once I heard that, I was like, wow, this would make a great uh, you know short film. And my initial idea was, you know, we we see, always see art on a wall or on a street, you know. But we never kind of see the blood, sweat, and duct tape that kind of goes into making it. So I wanted to, I wanted to document that. Um, so that's how the process started. Yeah, that's that's very cool, man. Now, when when you embark on something like this, um, how do you go about structuring it? Did you kind of have an idea of what you wanted and what time, or did it kind of unfold as you were shooting? 
No, I think you know this is my first documentary, but I, as as I said, I was a I'm a journalist, so it was a lot like writing like a magazine piece, hmm. uh, where you kind of have an idea of like the subject, and you know going into it, I wanted to kind of see an artist uh, from conceptualizing a piece to executing it and then installing it. So there was kind of a three prong th- uh, process, and it was a lot like like writing a um, an article. Where you know you're doing the interviews, uh, you're shooting, and you kind of know where the story is going, but you know it, it goes in different areas that you kind of don't figure out until um, you know you're looking at, at your shots and, and what you've captured. Uh, like the second part of it that really surprised me was after we shot it, um, you know we we're like, oh well, there's a bigger story here because we saw that the piece, when they put it out, it went viral and it was covered in everywhere from Vogue magazine to Vice to New York Times to Hollywood Reporter. And it just kind of blew up. And, you know, after documenting that, we were like, well, this is kind of the only the beginning of the story. Um, hmm. You know, we, we wanted to see what people's reaction to it was. So the second half of the documentary is, you know, more about... Uh, interviewing people and getting their reaction to it. And I, I thought it was important too, that we, uh, we got a female perspective and that was kind of something I, I figured out after watching the footage of, you know, them making the statue and executing it and then putting it out in the street. Um, I figured, you know, there's two street artists, two male street artists making a Harvey Weinstein piece commenting on sexual harassment and the mm. person making it is the documentary is two guys. So right. you know, there was a lot, there was a lot of guys, but like no female perspective. So I thought it was really important to get that. Uh, so after we shot everything, we went back and we interviewed a feminist street artist called Meg Zaney. She does all these female empowerment kind of stencils around town and she's got pink hair, but she's, you know, she's a great kind of spokeswoman for, the movement and being uh, a female in a, a male, predominantly male world. Um, and then the big, you know, the big score was, uh, I tracked, I Googled basically all the Harvey Weinstein victims and, you know, about the seventh one, I, 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 I Googled them and then emailed them and say, Hey, I'm making the stock. Here's the trailer. And about the fifth or sixth one, uh, Don Dunning responded and, you know, she basically said, you know, I'm totally down to meet and uh, talk about it. And so she kind of gave us access that, you know, it's really hard to get. She was one of the first women to come out in the New York Times article, um, you know, uh, one of the first women to speak out about her Weinstein experience. And then she was on CNN. And mm-hmm. so it was, it was really important to talk to her in terms of like, you know, here's this art piece that's kind of a satirical art piece. You were actual victim of, you know, some heinous stuff. What's your reaction to it? So I thought it was important to get that, um, mm-hmm. as well as as well as documenting people uh, that, you know, it, uh, the other part of the, the art piece is it's, it's an interactive art piece. So people were sitting on it, taking selfies, and it was made to people to interact with it and kind of um, get their reactions as well. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and just so the listeners know, it, it's a giant kind of golden statue of Harvey Weinstein sitting on a couch, the casting couch. Exactly. He's sitting on the couch with a robe, his, with an open robe, and he's holding the Oscars, uh, you know, in a 
precarious uh, place, <laughs> kind of like come and get it, uh, mm-hmm. you know, is, and, you know, uh, that was the other very interesting thing that I really wanted to cover was this, this rise of interactive art where, uh, art isn't just on a wall, you know, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's all art now. It's about kind of putting the person into the experience so that when they take the selfie, they post it on their timeline and now they're a piece of the art right and and when you're more when you feel more connected to the art you're going to share it and so that alone spreads you know the art in itself and it has its kind of own life online mm-hmm. yeah it's it's also interesting because there's a lot of levels to this i mean on one hand it's a a documentary about a street artist and on the other hand, you know, it's a documentary about sexual harassment in Hollywood. Yeah, we have that clip of Meryl Streep at the Golden Globes saying how she wanted to thank her agent and God, Harvey Weinstein. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, this was something that, you know, even for me being an indie filmmaker, that's something I've heard through the grapevine of Weinstein, you know, doing things to women, not to the extent I think that anyone would guess that wasn't right up close to it would, would believe, but it was kind of always around as there are other things that we hear about, you know, but, um, to see, to actually hear from Don, you know, um, what actually happened to her, it, it was just, you know, outrageous. And, and so, yeah, it's, the other part of the doc that I think is really important that we got was Sabo, the right wing street artist. Right. And he, you know, he alone is a punk rocker because, you know, most street artists are liberal left wing. And here you have this kind of uh, lone voice on the right. And uh, he's an interesting character, as you, you know, see in the film. Um, he he presented uh, a, a counter argument mm-hmm. where, where, you know, he, he brings up Matt Damon and he, he says that this could be a witch hunt. And, you know, some of the some of the things he's saying, I don't necessarily agree with. But I can see how someone can perceive it that way. And I think any documentary has that, where they give you both sides. And, um, you know, you you walk away kind of making your own decision on what to think and feel. Which is exactly what the Harvey Weinstein casting couch street art piece does. Mm -hmm. And that's that's a great thing of art. I think, you know, even with Sabo, who's a right-wing street artist, he actually did something... Uh, during Oscars week, he took over three billboards on La Brea and he did something like three billboards, you know, the movie Mm -hmm. uh, on pedophilia. And so that was his way of expressing himself, you know, and he asked me before we did the interview, he's like, you know, what do you think of my art? And I said, you know, I, I enjoy it. I, I don't necessarily agree with everything that it says, but, you know, as an artist, I think everyone has a right to express themselves and, and, you know, the better the art, you know, maybe the better the messaging. But it, it all it all comes back to uh, getting a reaction out of people. And I think that's very important in art. Mm-hmm. You know, we set it up where uh, him and well, him and Plastic Jesus, uh, the other artist who's from London, who was a photojournalist, um, you know, who's got kind of liberal type beliefs. Uh, they've had this rivalry that we kind of stumbled upon, like just, you know, researching on uh, YouTube. There was an interview where Sabo came to one of Plastic Jesus's art uh, galleries and they kind of got into it. And so I didn't know that until after like we had shot Sabo. 
So, uh, you know, there's just kind of these little jewels that we kind of set up in the edit where we interview them in different places, but we cut it together where, you know, there's that section where they're commenting on each other's art, which is a great, you know, section, one of my favorites in the movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, it's at the end of the day, it's uh, it's it's an important subject matter, but a kind of fun, light way uh, to look at something that uh, is very important, you know, a small piece to a bigger story. Right. Yes, you could say. You used a lot of news footage, um, or or media, I should say, which is very effective. Uh, it, you know, you cut from an interview into sort of a montage or whatnot. How did you go about choosing that? And did do you automatically just think uh, fair use and not worry about it, or do you have to kind of think about what you use? Well, you have to be smart. You have to be. I think you take. I think, uh, you know, with a lot of the law is logic. So you don't want to take too much of a clip. Uh, you know, I think anything that's reasonable uh, mm-hmm. under five seconds, maybe mm-hmm. five to seven seconds, um, as long as you present it in the way that it was supposed to be shown, then you're fine. Uh, but I did have, uh, I have a lawyer friend who's a fair use um, lawyer. He looked at it and he gave us the okay. So Nice. Yeah, I would definitely show someone that, you know, if you can get some um, free legal advice, uh, I would definitely show it to someone. But, yeah, I I wouldn't go over the top with it, but a lot of the things that are out there, you can kind of use at your disposal. And check out other docs. See what they're doing. Um, And always attribute, of course. Mm -hmm. Uh, Always attribute. And that's on the actual clip itself, not in the end credits. Either or. Yeah. I mean, that's something we researched, uh, but we put them at the end for the most part. Mm, okay. uh, even even like if we showed a mural, let's say that we shot, you know, used just shot that's out in the, on a wall. We attributed that. We tracked that. You know, we we figured out what artist it was and then we put it at the end. Mm. Um, so that's great because it is uh, about artists and often these street artists don't get the credit. Yeah, uh, you know, street art is such a it's such a thing that's kind of become part of pop culture. To me, especially these artists that I, you know, uh, documented, uh, Plastic Jesus and Ginger uh, and Sabo and Meg Zaney, you know, what makes them so interesting to me is that they're almost like muck, they're kind of muckrakers and activists, uh, you know, muckraking journalism. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, you know, they're kind of, in the trenches and out there, uh, you know, in this, in this era of like fake news, uh, you know, both real and imagined, I think people are looking for kind of voices and opinions and stuff that's kind of unfiltered. Um, and, and I think what's cool about street artists is they can literally go outside, you know, paint something on a wall and get an immediate response from it. And also, you know, put their idea out there, whatever they're thinking. And I think that's very powerful. Uh, you know, for years, advertisers have done the same thing. But now you have just common people with, uh, you know, a social agenda uh, putting stuff out there. And it's very interesting to see people's reactions mm-hmm. to it. And in the age of Instagram, that message can spread much quicker. Oh, yeah. I mean, Instagram, yeah, is it's just the tool. You know, a lot of artists now, they just make stuff uh, that they know will get traction on Instagram 
And it's not necessarily about selling the piece, but getting that traction so that when they do have their show, when they have art pieces to sell, now they have a certain amount of clout because they have a big following on Instagram. I mm-hmm. mean, there's there's all kinds of that stuff. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's an interesting world that we presented and that I don't think artists actually, they have to make money, <laughs> mm-hmm. which is, you know, uh, so, you know, I think it's... It, it's there's some contradictions in it that maybe you're kind of wondering about, but at the end of the day, you know, artists have to pay the bills just like us. So, uh, you know, if they're doing things to get more popularity, I can totally understand it. I'm not one of those people that, um, is like, Oh, they are sell out because they're selling this and you know, whatever. Yeah. It's a, it's a medium of the people really. Totally. It's totally as, as, as most artists as film is and all that. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, when making a documentary, and I've had this experience myself, oftentimes uh, you're not able to always uh, capture everything you want. Maybe uh, you're busy or something happened unexpectedly, um, but you had a brilliant solution to this. Can you tell us that story? Yeah. Uh, are you talking about the animation part? Oh, Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So, uh, you know, Ginger is based out in Las Vegas. And uh, so after they, they actually did a life casting of the Harvey Weinstein, Plastic Jesus got one of his friends, uh, this bigger guy, and they life casted him. And so I don't know if do I, you want me to explain what that is. Yeah, go ahead. Okay, so they basically put him in silicone, make a mold, uh, and it's a mold of a body and a face, but obviously it looks like the models. So, Ginger, who's a sculptor, took that uh, back to Vegas. They did the live casting in L.A., and I shot that. And then they they took uh, it back to Vegas so uh, Ginger could do the sculpting to turn it into Harvey Weinstein. And then, you know, make him hold, uh, position him where he's sitting on a couch. Mm-hmm. So I didn't have that footage. You know, I got caught up. James and I got caught up with work or, you know, whatnot. And so we didn't get to go to Vegas. So you know, I was just thinking like, this is such an important part of the process and we don't have it. Um, we have them talking about it, but we don't have them. We don't have any of the footage. All we had was stills. Right. So I was, you know, I, I was thinking of, uh, a way to do that. And so I started thinking about animation. I love kind of animation and docs. It's a great point in the story to kind of turn it another way, especially when you have something serious like this. I think Mm -hmm. animation is a way where you can kind of, you know, kind of bring everyone down a little bit to breathe and maybe chuckle. Um, And so I, this is kind of the process I was talking about earlier about finding filmmakers online, finding collaborators online. So what I did was I just was on Twitter. Uh, I'm a big Twitter guy. So uh, I was just looking at, I was, you know, typing in hashtag animation and, just going through artists and kind of figuring, you know, trying to figure out what I liked and what I figured. I, I even went to the Cal Arts um, program. Like, I googled, you know, Vimeo and looked at everyone's reels that had just graduated and maybe see if I could get someone good that was, you know, affordable. Because that's the other thing. Part of this is you can have these ideas, but how do you execute them with a limited budget? Right. Um, so I came across Steve Stark, who is an amazing guy. He he's an animator based in Toronto, uh, found him on Twitter. He does Kevin Smith's art. So he's done like, I think Kevin Smith did an animation, uh, a movie of silent Bob. Um, and so Steve, uh, did that. And so he, 
I sent him a message, showed him the trailer, and gave him our budget, and he was totally down to do it. So, uh, you know, he there's, I think, a, it's about a, a little over a minute animation piece within the doc that I think really kind of resets everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, yeah it, it's it, fantastic. Yeah, I loved yeah, it. Thank you. thank you. And so we have the artist telling the story, and then and then the animation. You see the the stuff that we didn't get, and it's right. a funny story. It's a funny story within itself. Um, yeah, so, it's yeah. like an animated uh, flashback almost. Yeah, exactly, exactly. I recognize the uh, animation style right off the bat. I, I you know, because I went to your screening in downtown LA. Which was great, by the way. I think I mentioned that to you when I saw you. But, yeah, I, I recognized it. I'm like, oh, I know. Where, where have I seen this look before? And then and then yeah. you said he does all Kevin Smith stuff. And that is so cool. Yeah. Uh, you know, the other part of this is, like, the producing part, which I had done. You know, being an indie filmmaker, you, you have to wear so many hats. But, mm-hmm. you know, interviewing, like, going through the artists and kind of going through their reels and then, you know, Bargaining, I, you know, as an artist, I think we hate every time we have to bring up money. You know, it, we're just so excited about the project. You know, I've been on both ends where, you know, I've been excited about something, but I also can't do it for a certain amount. Uh, mm-hmm. And then some things you just do because you feel it's important. And we kept running into that. Uh, so we got Steve, who's an amazing animator out of Toronto. Uh, you know, I, we saved our James and I uh, did all the shooting uh, editing, sound. We did all the production part of the film by ourselves. Mm-hmm. Uh, someone watched it and was like, oh, what kind of crew did you have? I'm like, it was me and James, you know? Mm-hmm. So we saved our money um, for post-production, and, and we really wanted to get that cinematic uh, sound down. We wanted to get, you know, we wanted to we wanted to feel like a movie. So we, you know, again, went went on Google and went on Mandy, which is a great, another great resource. Uh, are you familiar with Mandy? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, you know, we found our composer on there, uh, CD Jansen. He's this Australian expat, uh, who makes great music and, um, for our limited budget, he, all the music in it, all the music compositions are originals. He had like crazy, like 10, 10 to 12 days to do it. And oh, he wow. just, yeah, and he, he, he. We just kind of vibed instantly. Uh, you know, again, we went through maybe fifteen composers, and I interviewed them. Um, and you know, he just had amazing stuff, and he kind of like immediately got what we wanted. He heard the tra- uh, he saw the trailer, and he um, he immediately tapped in. You, oh, you guys want this kind of sound? And I'm like, exactly. So he delivered. We found uh, Jeff Fuller, who's an Emmy winner. He won an Emmy for um, Foo Fighters Sonic Highways uh, HBO documentary series. Oh, wow. So we found him on Mandy, and he's, you know, he was like, I love this. He's like, this is so punk rock. This is so, like, what I – he used to be in a punk rock band. So, hmm. you know, you, you meet these people, and you're just like – you're meeting these filmmakers, these collaborators, these filmmakers, and you're just instantly vibing with them. And I think if people can connect to the material – uh, they they will work with you, you know, as long as you don't overwork them and kind of you aren't realistic about what you're paying them and the work they're delivering. Uh, you can find some fantastic people um, online and, you know, give them, be clear. I think my advice would be be clear with what you want and what you need and then just be realistic, you know, obviously get what you want, but at the same time, you don't want to be paying someone 
well below their rate and then overworking them. Mm-hmm. Obviously, with you, it helped that the uh, the subject matter was interesting to them. Yes, that I, that was the other part of it. Is you know, like uh, a few of them said, you know, this is a very important subject you're doing. Uh, you know, I want to be involved. Uh, you know, this is this. I trust you, but I, you know, I I trust that you're going to tell this story correctly, and I want to help you tell that story. And yeah, we kept running into it. It was funny because some jobs we would have multiple bids on it, and I'm and and they all would say the same thing, like you know, this isn't really. I can't really afford to do this rate, but like it's such a great subject, and I really love what you're doing. And I think it's I think it's important, you know, when you're doing a documentary to do something that people can tap into and kind of. Um, it's also going to help you great great work, but it also tells you that there's an audience for this, and mm-hmm. people are willing to put their time into it. How long a period of time did you did you shoot for this? So you know it was on and off. Uh, so we started shooting, I think, in maybe December, January, uh, you know, where I shot the life casting stuff. And then, you know, every, you know, plastic Jesus would call me and he'd be like, Hey, I'm doing this, th-, you know, the couch is coming in mm-hmm. and I'm going to spray paint it. So I would, me and James would rush down there and document that, you know, uh, ginger, you know, would, would be in town. Oh, we need to interview him. We need to get him on camera. So we were shooting on and off, you know, until the, you know, the, the, the Oscars happened uh, and then, you know, we, we shot Don and Meg Zaney and Sable probably in the spring. And then we were just editing it. You know, that took a while, too, uh, where, you know, James and I just were editing it. Uh, he's a great editor. And, you know, I think my journalism background helped in that, too, because, uh, you know, you have all this footage, but you, you still got to figure out the story. You, you kind of know where it is, but you kind of fill in those gaps. So I actually asked my um my neighbor Jeff Malberg, who's who just he was an editor. He did the uh, Mister Rogers doc. Oh wow! Uh, yeah, so I asked him. Um, I was like, you know, how, how do you approach editing a documentary? And he was just like, well, what I do is I I write up everything I want to use, like sound bites or visuals, you know, sequences, and then I put them in a hat. Uh, you know, write on a piece of paper and put them in a hat and then pull them out. And then, so I was like, when he was telling me that process, I was like, oh, that's exactly what I do when I write a script, right? I, I have my board, I write things on a piece of paper. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I put them, I arrange them in a sequence of the, the narrative. So that's what I did. I, except, you know, with a script, a narrative, you have the script that's kind of your, your guidelines, but for a documentary, you just have what you shot. <laughs> mm-hmm. So so yeah, you might want stuff, but like you don't have it. So you either got to do you know do a reshoot, which is harder because you got to interview people, and it's easier than a narrative where you got to get the whole cast together and all that. But you know you you have what you have. Um, it's funny, like I was telling someone with a script, you know, you can play God when you're writing. You know, you watch the characters, you let the characters kind of do what they want, but you're kind of keeping them in line with the story. Uh, so, you know, you're, you're still God when you're writing, but in a documentary, uh, you know, God is God. You're just a guy with a camera. You're kind of documenting what's in front of you. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, people, people are people. They don't have, you know, if they're, <laughs> if they don't have lines to give, they'll just say whatever they want. So, and do whatever they want. So yeah, that was different. Um, but yeah, we end up finishing, I think in, uh, August, 
September where, you know, then you got to do the sound and all that stuff, color. And mm-hmm. it was a long process. It was when you have two people doing it, uh, you know, and then bringing in other resources, it's, it's a long process, but uh, it, it's actually one of the easier things I've done just because James and I work so well together. Nice. Now, uh, for your consideration is hitting the festivals. Uh, yeah, yeah, we should, you know, we finish in a weird time kind of, uh, in, in like mid fall. So a lot of the festivals we had missed, obviously like in that season and the festivals start up again, like in Jan- you know, late December, January, February, and then go in through all summer and the following fall. So yeah, we're hoping to, uh, you know, get into some cool, uh, documentary film festivals as well as, uh, you know, regular, uh, film festivals um mm-hmm. with tag it was interesting i think you know just going back to that real quick um i had kind of got into the uh asian american film kind of film festival uh market you know in terms of i got it premiered at cam which is the biggest one biggest asian american film festival in um in in the u.s mm-hmm. and so after that it like kind of just i started playing a lot of those festivals and i'm half um Asian. So that was cool. So with this, I'm hoping to kind of get into this documentary film festival world and, you know, meet more people and see more great films and meet other great filmmakers. Um, so yeah, I think it's, a. Uh, it's, I'm really excited about to see where it goes. Yeah. Well, I went to the screening I mentioned, um, and you threw that yourself and I was impressed. My wife, my wife. Oh yeah. Your wife. <laughs> Yeah, she does events, so it was great. I mean, we had posters, and yeah, it was it was great. It was a great turnout. I was I was thinking to myself during the Q and A, knowing that it was your own shindig. I was thinking, well, this is great practice for panels. This is if for a filmmaker who's in it for the long game, um, who's going to be you know at Sundance on a on a panel at some point. Um, me, I, I get a little shy sometimes. I was thinking, this is brilliant. This Patrick Green is brilliant. He's <laughs> he's building in a- almost like like when you work out some sets. You know, it's like you're you're getting the practice in um, on your own terms. And by the time you get to a uh, you know big film festival, all your answers are ironed out. Yeah, I think you know. I think with anything you do, um, you have to do it as a professional filmmaker, whether you're doing it yourself or someone's, you know, you're 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 throwing an event for your, you know, a screening for yourself, or you're doing it, you know, at another film festival, or you're even making like, let's say, like audio for, uh, you're doing audio for your movie, and you're like, oh, you know, if I don't, maybe I'll chimp on the audio, and you know, I can save money to do something else. Like everything you do, you should try to make it sound, look professional whether it be from making the movie to screening it mm-hmm. so because then people take you seriously and you know i think you know sad to say i go to some of these film festivals and um i see you know i can see where they try to save money and obviously this movie you know we did for little amount of money but we had people james and i did everything you know and the stuff that we couldn't do we paid people but you have to make everything look and feel professional mm-hmm um, because th- that sets the precedent, like you said. That's a great observation of, um, you know, there's so many people making stuff, and but, you know, are they taking themselves seriously? 
And I think it's just about putting in a lot of work. Like if I do an interview, I prep for it, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, And so I, you know. And it showed. It it definitely came across to the audience with your answers. Yeah, yeah. I hope it didn't show like too much prep. But But in terms of, you know, you want to sound natural. You want to kind of. But I did my research. And I think whether I'm interviewing, getting interviewed or I'm interviewing the people in the documentary, I, I know, I know what I want to talk about and I know who I'm talking to. So, mm-hmm. you know, that, that would be my advice is like everything you do, um, in making the film and even like, you know, now I think the hardest part about indie film making, at least for me is like getting the movie out there. Right. Um, and you know, you hear now that film festivals are kind of just kind of an, an, anachronistic way of, of getting your movie out there. Now people are just saying, just put it online, you know, try to get a Vimeo staff pick or mm-hmm. short of the week or just, you know, pass it around and see if it gets, but, you know, so that's a whole nother game now where I'm sending out emails to different you know, uh, platforms and uh, film festivals. And even in those, you got to sound professional, like everything you do. I wrote a press release um, to accompany it. I took, you know, we had a, I don't know if you saw the movie poster. Oh Yeah. Yeah, the movie poster again. Something I took very seriously. Um, yeah, I, you gotta you gotta give me some uh, context for that because I got I gotta get some posters made. Yeah, and I you know, <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, you just gotta like treat everything like you're the like it's a professional. Like as a professional, I, I think I learned a lot about from my wife is you can't you know because she lives in a very professional world, but every little detail people notice, and when people notice something that stands out it takes away from the film, you know, it, it's a detriment already in the, in that if you have a chintzy poster, like, a, you know, it, it, it's a reflection of the movie, you know, in a way. So even with that, like I hire, I uh, reach out to a um, magazine uh, designer that I worked with. Um, and, you know, we came up with this concept of um, using old Miramax uh, for your consideration fonts and like, kind of tweaking them a bit to make it like strips of them and like as a collage, like putting them on the poster mm-hmm. with the statue. So yeah, everything, every little detail. I mean, I think that's what a lot of filmmakers, uh, not a lot, but some, um, they, they kind of put so much effort into certain parts of the movie and they let other things slide by. And I, the audience can figure that out, whether they can see it, sense it right away or, you know, um, they can see parts of it that don't fit and immediately detracts the movie. I'm not sure about this, but did you have a cameo in the film? Yes. <laughs> were were yeah, you I, the animated guy? Yes, yes. But, but like 10, 15 pounds heavier. Like, I don't know why. <laughs> and I, and I was like, hey, unshaven. I, yeah, <laughs> unshaven. Like, uh, and my dog is actually in it more than me. She's in it. Uh, is the live action oh yeah and she's in it with the animation part so yeah she makes two cameos um that's great let me just say the uh well both of those are great but i noticed at the screening every time the dog would come on screen uh you'd get the oh yeah (laughs) it's it's funny when we were editing james is like what's up with you and dogs like there's there's also like a couple dogs in the live casting of the um, the model's home Um, Mm -hmm. He has like two dogs sleeping, and I got a few shots of that. And so yeah, I, I do the same thing, man. If there's a dog in the room, that's yeah. just a cutaway, you yeah. know. <laughs> Mom or babies, right? 
Yeah, and it makes people like the character, the person more, you know, humanizes them. Yeah, and, uh, you know, dogs, you don't have to, uh, you know, they don't make noise. They just usually sit there. Yeah, but that cartoon cameo, man, that... That's great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had to throw throw myself in there. I was in. Uh, there's a short cameo of uh, Steve and I uh, in tag at the end, so I had to do it in this one too. Very cool. Yeah, I wasn't sure about that, but I'm I'm glad you uh because you, you didn't reaffirmed. recognize me because I'm not. You know, he put me like ten to fifteen pounds heavier. And I, was, <laughs> and I was like, yo, man. <laughs> You're making me look bad. Like, and he's like, "Oh, I just draw my characters like a little, little like roundish." I'm like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that is funny, dude. Yeah, so uh, vain. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, um, so what's next? The uh, the horror film. I mean, I was telling the friends I brought to your screening, this guy bangs out these short films like nothing else, um, and, and they're quality. So I'm excited uh, to hear about what's next. Yeah, um, so I had shot Mommy's Little Monster, uh, which is uh, like a psychological horror thriller uh, up in Big Bear uh, mm. the previous summer, uh, and we were just editing it, and, you know, kind of, you know, with shorts, it's like, that's the one thing is you kind of get, everyone has, you know, everyone's kind of doing other projects, and you're waiting for money to come in or whatnot, so that's taken a little while, but we finished it, uh, like, a few weeks ago. Uh, so that will be done. They kind of finished at the same time, which is kind of funny. Mm -hmm. Uh, but you know, great. Um, so yeah, that's, that should be coming out as well in the next year. Uh, we'll be doing festivals as well. And, you know, we're really excited about it. It's a, it's a personal story that, um, we're kind of, we're again, looking at a social issue, but through a genre lens. Mm. Um, so yeah, I'm really excited about that, and hopefully going to turn it into a feature. I have a script for it, uh, and that's the plan. Like I, I really want to stretch myself. Now I have like three shorts. Um, I shot a, like a digital uh, co- a skit series, like about three four minute pieces uh, last year, and so I want to kind of stretch out and see like if I can, you know, uh, use my skills to tell uh, a feature version of a story. Yeah. And uh, yeah, and you know, I think shorts are a great experience and all three of my shorts have been really different. Uh so, you know, the tag was basically almost like an experimental film where, you know, you're seeing it first person like a video game. Mm-hmm. Uh all all guerrilla, very minimal budget, uh, you know, a lot of action. Um and then, you know, this documentary was more of a journalistic uh, approach to something, you know, people have watched it and they go, Oh, like I could totally see this on like Vox media or vice or it sure. looks very professional. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, mommy's little monster is, you know, looks like a film that uh, great actors and, uh, the sound, everything's very high quality, cinematic quality. So I think I've showed, you know, in those three pieces that I can do a lot of different things. So mm-hmm. now it's just a matter of getting, money so people can allow me to do that <laughs> right well that's great man is there anything else you want to touch on um i mean this is just blown by it's been a lot of fun yeah, talking yeah. with you yeah yeah uh should we talk about like where they can where they can like watch the stuff or oh like, definitely like, yeah why don't okay. you give us all that your your twitter your where you can watch your movies okay 
So uh, Tag is on Amazon Prime. You can just look up Tag, Patrick Green. Uh, I have a website now with all the links to uh, the movies. Uh, you can't see for your consideration. You can see the trailer uh, and Mommy's Little Monster. You can see some stills, but eventually I'll have you know those things up. Uh, and then where you can screen them as well, uh, you know, the festivals all around. Um, and, and you just did uh, Culver City, didn't you? Yeah, 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 yeah. I did. It was kind of like a hometown thing. Like I had taught, I was a substitute teacher in Culver City oh. uh, as I was going to film school. So I would I would go to my classes at night and then I would teach uh, during the day. So the it was right like around, it was kind of like a, I don't know. It felt to me like to do, it would be a nice, like kind of full circle thing mm-hmm. where, you know, here's where I was teaching these little kids, you know, as I was, so I was like kind of balancing, you know, story time and uh, multiplication with like Hitchcock essays and <laughs> French new wave, you know, nice. <laughs> think pieces <Yeah. laughs> so to kind of like present the, the documentary in that, in that area was kind of just a full circle thing. So I wanted to do that, but uh, yeah, I think, you know, with film festivals and stuff, it's like, it's just, you're trying to get eyeballs on your movie, um, and see your response to it. So that's the, the next step is just seeing what kind of response, you know, the documentary has. Yeah, man. Well, great. Um, I... oh, my 12, oh, sorry. Oh yeah. Go ahead. <laughs> so, uh, so <laughs> for your consideration is FYC, uh, so on Twitter, it's FYC doc. On Instagram, it's FYC Doc, and on Facebook, it's For Your Consideration Movie. Um, and then my website is By Patrick Green. My Twitter is By Patrick Green, and my Instagram is By Patrick Green. So reach out. Uh, I'll, I can send you some clips if you want, or whatever. Awesome, man. Yeah. Well, thanks, thanks, man. You're you're a great guest, and it makes sense that uh, you, this is the second time I've had you on. Oh, thanks. Um, thanks for thanks for having me on. I love the. I always listen. I listened to the one uh, yesterday that you just did with the um, the he did the car driver. Oh, X. driver X. Yeah, 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 yeah. I just listened to that. So no, I keep doing what you're doing because it's such a great resource. Well, that's that. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Indie Film Grid podcast. Feel free to go to our website and check out the show notes, IndieFilmGrit.com. Follow us on Twitter, at IndieFilmGrit, and subscribe to us on iTunes. Well, I should really wrap this up, but before I go, let me ask you something. Do you have the courage, the passion, and the perseverance to make indie films? Do you have enough indie film grit? Thank you.